The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Don't fall for the Sparty banana in the tailpipe again. This is going to be a fight on Saturday night. Next, on this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yep, caught. Hey, 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 you can't be a hard state. Brady gets terrific. Frozen in a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Ron Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Blue. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And yes, it is Sparty Hate Week. And I know what you're thinking, man. Oh, Sparty's terrible. Look at the stats. Everything they do well, we do well. Everything they don't do well, we do well. Michigan's a 23-point favorite. It's a night game. Michigan plays great in these night games. I know what you're thinking. Have we not been here before. How do I loathe thee? Let me count the ways. And and Jim Harbaugh himself has had some unusual luck throughout his entire college football career against Michigan State. We'll talk about that here in a minute. First, though, a word from our title sponsor here on the show, our friends over at Prize Picks. 
Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. Just pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times what you wager on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries as well. So we're in a time of year with Major League Baseball postseason. The NBA has come back. The NFL, college football, you can mix and match those wagers as well. This week for my props, I'm taking Garrett Schrader, quarterback for Syracuse, under 220 yards passing against Notre Dame on Saturday. And I'm taking Hunter Deckers, quarterback of Iowa State, over 265.5 yards passing against a struggling Oklahoma defense. But be leery of taking my prize picks. I'm just 7-7 seven and seven on these so far this season. On the other hand, I might be due for a rebound. We shall see. Prize picks, the award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both available on the App Store and Google Play. The best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and, of course, Michigan. Download the Prize Picks app today. Set up your account for using promo code Michigan. When you do, you'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. That's right. Just download the Prize Picks app today on the App Store or Google Play and then use the promo code Michigan for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Have we not seen this movie before? I mean, this is of course spooky season. It feels like sometimes they come back. Freddie always comes back. Jason always comes back. We have seen this before. I mean, just look at what has happened to poor Jimmy against Michigan State, right? I mean, his sophomore year, he broke his, was it his arm or his leg, and was out for the rest of the year. Uh, that happened against Michigan State. That was George Perlis's first win against Bo. Uh, that went on. Uh, that was an omen for an injury-plagued 6-6, six and six, terrible season, by far the worst ever under Bo. Then you fast forward to 20, 2015, Jimmy's first year as head coach here. Oh, problem with the snap. And Sean McDonough goes through puberty live on the air, right? 2017, we were a 17 or 14 or something point favorite against them at home at night. Massive deluge. Suddenly the Jim Harbaugh that we yell at for running the ball too damn much won't run it in the rain and keeps chucking it with John O'Corn for reasons only a law knows. All right, 2020, uh, I mean, we got Rocky Lombardi's one good game in the Big Ten. I mean, just throwing arm arm punts to a kid named Ricky White, who I don't think got caught a pass the rest of the season. All right, uh, and then you look at what happened last year: up thirty to sixteen, late in the third quarter, meltdown. Michigan State comes back and wins. That was Michigan's only loss of the regular season last year. So it it has not been. There have been some weird, quirky things that have happened to Jimmy against Michigan State, not counting. All the other weird and quirky things that have happened to Michigan against Michigan State. It is, and we don't say this patronizingly, or maybe we do a little bit, but it is, and by their own admittance, it is Sparty's Super Bowl. Whatever is Michigan State's best shot, Michigan will receive it on Saturday night. But I'm not sure it'll matter unless Michigan is something like Minus three in turnovers, which we've seen that happen before against this team. And that is because I think Michigan is a national championship good team. Michigan and Georgia are the only two teams in the country right now to rank in the top 10 over at SP Plus and nationally in offensive, defensive, and special teams efficiency. The only two teams in the country. Michigan is a team without an obvious weakness. 
There's not a natural place for them for you to attack or exploit. You could have done it last year. Well, we you know, the quarterback's really not much of a thrower. Can't do that now. Can't just double team Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo off the edge. We got like five or six guys from every spot in the defensive front that can get after the quarterback now. That that doesn't mean there's perfect depth everywhere, but barring injuries at a couple of spots, Michigan right now is a team without a weakness to attack and maybe has the best line play on both sides of the line of scrimmage combined in all of the country. So Michigan is going to have to beat itself. Now, we have watched Michigan beat itself against Michigan State before. But I do think that won't happen here, given how focused Michigan has been on this game all offseason. But I do think it'll be a fight. I think those guys over in East East Lansing, they'll have a lot of confidence. Uh, They're on scholarship, too. I think they will give Michigan the fist fight in the trenches that Penn State seemed unwilling to. Not saying they'll win it, but I do think they might land maybe like a punch or two, unlike Penn State. And I could see this being kind of a 34-17, 38-21 kind of a game where Michigan's never in danger of losing, but never runs away and hides either. Or maybe it's 38-10. Uh, and, you know, Michigan State gets a late touchdown against the backups uh, with the back door open for the cover. I, I expect it to be that kind of a game. Very businesslike for Michigan, uh, maybe an emotional first quarter. And then as the game wears on, the superior team on the field eventually takes hold and takes back the Paul Bunyan trophy. And then it's on to the drive to Columbus. Speaking of which, let's find out what the one and only reasonable Bucknut we know thinks about that and other things next. Time now for the 10-Minute War, and we bring on our good friend and perhaps the world's only reasonable Bucknut himself, the one and only Mark Rogers, who has a fantastic college football channel, the voice of college football, right here on YouTube. Correspondents, stringers, covering teams all over the country. So much great information. You don't want to miss it. Plus, we bring him on to check our enthusiasm unknown to mankind just to make sure it has some significance other than maize and blue colored glasses. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Steve, I'm doing well. It's good of you that uh, you allow yourself to be held accountable at times. Uh, so, so I enjoy filling that role. Indeed. I want to start with a conversation I had. Well, it was one-sided. Uh, over the weekend on Twitter with Danny Cannell from CBS Sports. Now, let me say this. If you don't know about the Cover 3 podcast already, I, I think it's the best college football podcast in the country. It's phenomenal. Those guys do great work. They do their homework. They have great... Um, chemistry, a lot of varying and sometimes very starkly different opinions that they express very openly and in, you know, contradicting one another, but it doesn't get nasty or personal at the exact same time. It's just, it's really well done. There's ACC guys, there's SEC guys, there's recruiting guys, there's Big Ten guys. It's just, it's a great podcast. So if it feels like I'm really pouring it on thick because I'm about to say, but you're right, but it is legitimately a great show. But I found it fascinating. He put out his top 12 rating rankings over the weekend. And he has Ohio State number one. Okay. I didn't even think anything of it, by the way, until he began dunking on Michigan and our strength of schedule. And I'm like, well, wait a minute here. You have Ohio State rated over five teams, including Michigan, who have beaten other teams in your top 12. He's got Penn State in his top 12. No, I wouldn't put Penn State there, but he does. So I'm just, I'm just going by his metric, not mine. I mean, I wouldn't have Penn State a top 12 team, but he does. I think I have Penn State like 17th right now. 
right? So, but according to his own, his own homework, Penn State's a top 12 team. And he does it top 12, you know, based off the New Year's Six, you know, the top 12 teams, okay? So he's got Penn State 12th. Clemson's below Ohio State. They've got a win over Wake Forest, who is in his top 12. TCU's below Ohio State. They've got a win over Oklahoma State, who's in his top 12. Um, Georgia uh, has a win over Oregon, who's in his top 12. Tennessee who has a win over Alabama, who's in his top 12. These teams are all ranked below Ohio State, who, as we sit going into week nine, it's only win over a team with a winning record, the mighty Rockets of Toledo. Now, Mark, I, I happen to think by the end of the year, they might be the best team. Okay, but can we do this thing where, like, during the year, and I, and, and I just ranked Michigan in the top four this past week. I had them lower than the mainstream polls the last few weeks until they beat a legitimate team in Penn State. So this is even a Michigan-Ohio State thing. I'm just wondering, what is the – I don't understand the logic. Does the, did the games matter, Mark? Do we play a season? Or it's just all stats and power ratings? What, why don't we actually play games? If you, you get Penn State this weekend, you guys go in there and handle business and handle them comfortably. You want to rank Ohio State number one because that puts their stats in a further context. I'm totally fine with it. How do we sit here, though, going into week nine, your best wins Toledo, and you're number one over a bunch of undefeated teams that beat other really good teams that are also rated very highly in your exact same poll? You used to work with them at ESPN. Why is he like this? Explain this to me, Mark. He's a contrarian, and I think he takes pride in that. So I think he likes that. And I generally enjoy Danny Cannell. He obviously knows football. He played at sure. the highest level. I love Danny. Yeah. There's no question about that. But I think he goes out of his way to be the contrarian. And when he was at ESPN, he was the anti-SEC guy that would, you know, kind of level out the room a little bit. And I so I thought he played a viable role in that. Uh, I've kind of lost track of exactly what he's doing right now, but you're speaking to a guy, Steve, who has Ohio State fans mad at him all the time because I consistently, I think in the past, have ranked Ohio State lower than most because I am going strictly off the resume. Right now, Ohio State's number six in my rankings. And so people misinterpret that. I do not believe that Ohio State's the sixth best team in the country, but they as you have outlined, they haven't proven much of anything. Yes, they've been dominant largely against marginal football teams. Uh, you know, Penn State and Maryland at this point look like the two best teams that are both on Michigan and Ohio State's schedule. You could throw Iowa in there. So up until last weekend, or maybe still yet to come, Michigan has played those two teams. Ohio State has not played those two teams. So I have Michigan ranked ahead of Ohio State because I think that they were impressive against those two teams, largely against Penn State, of course. We'll see what the Buckeyes have in Happy Valley, but they just haven't proven it. It's not a knock against them. They don't make out the Big Ten schedule. They don't backload mm -hmm. it. They also didn't foresee Notre Dame not being a good team. It is simply what it is, and you've got to be ranked against the resume. For me, it's about results. Did you win or lose? It's about performance. So beating a team 50 to nothing versus beating the same team 28-27 needs to be weighted differently because that's performance, that's dominance. And then, obviously, who did you play? The schedule, the opponents. I want to ask you before we get into Michigan and Michigan State, and, and my goodness, that is Way too reasonable, everything you just described. Uh, by, the way, by the way, for the record, I have Ohio State rated third and Michigan rated fourth. I just don't understand 
how heading into week nine, a team's best record, best resume win is Toledo and they're number one. I mean, the games that we actually play should count for something. Not what you thought in the preseason, not what a Vegas power rating is. Hell, the Vegas power rating had, uh, you know, uh, Michigan uh, favored by 11 over Penn State. We beat them by, uh, you know, 24. I mean, that's not what we're doing here. And I mean, the games should matter. That's all I'm saying. Steve, if I may, if I may, can I use just one example of a zillion that we could go through this season? Mm -hmm. After three weeks, I ranked, I did not rank Oklahoma State after three weeks because it's a resume ranking. Neither did I. Yeah. They defeated Arizona State, given up 44 points to Central Michigan and beat it. CS team. Right. Now we all know that if this was a typical Oklahoma State team that say was unranked preseason or let's say they were number 22 preseason, they would not be ranked number 7 according to the coaches in the AP. So people were calling me crazy because I was not aligning with the AP poll that had Oklahoma State number 7. I said, "Look at the resume at this point. Now, they may continue to win and obviously will face the type of competition where they can prove to be a top 10 team. But at this point, they did not. We see this all over the place. I think I think when people come at guys like you and I for doing it this way, I think they operate under the assumption that when the team they care about or the team in question does something that proves itself, because we're, we've got them rated so low right now, that we won't move them up appropriately. You see what I'm saying? That everyone's accustomed yeah. to the AP voter model, that the metric is my preseason poll, and no matter what else, if someone wins, they go up. If they lose, they go down. Doesn't I don't look at head-to-head results or anything of that nature. Like, you know, I mean, Tulane was rated below Kansas State last week in the AP poll, and Tulane beat Kansas State on the road in Manhattan, right? Like the game, like did, did the game happen? Did it occur? Should it matter? And so I didn't have Oklahoma State rated in my poll either. Then when they, you know, had an impressive run there for a few weeks, they went from unranked to number eight because I have no problem moving a team up 20 spots if they do something that solidifies a resume or improves their resume or dropping them accordingly. Right. You know, and so I think people assume that that we're going to do the worst of both worlds, that we're going to we're going to be hyper reasonable, but then not react to the results appropriately at the same time and just be kind of stodgy like an AP voter. I'm, I'm not I, my preseason poll, first of all, is a forecast for how I think the season will end. It's a forecast of what I think the final college football playoff poll will be. Then when we start the year, I start from scratch and I. Then as we go on, you know, it'll, the, the more the season goes on, it'll be less eye test and more resume, but it's always at least some resume and some eye test. So I've got no problem with wild swings in the poll, for example. All right, I got to uh, ask you, I, go ahead. You want to respond to that? Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I looked back on this just to check myself. And in 2019, I was way ahead of the curve. And I'm not saying I was projecting anything or predicting, but LSU had a difficult, brutal schedule. Mm-hmm. And after two or three of those wins, boom, they're number one for me. Mm -hmm. And they were still sitting there at six or seven for everybody else. But I just rewarded the performance on the field. Well, that's crazy. Why would you want to do that? It's almost like you think we're playing games and, you know, not uh, assembling stats for power ratings. But let me let me got I got to ask you before we get to Michigan, I got to ask you about Iowa, because we're going to get into this more here on the channel tomorrow on Bigger Ten. But. I need to get I want to get your perspective. When we played them, it was we were just beginning to consider that this might be a historically bad offense, right? And it was our first road game and so I just I think that we weren't quite yet cemented about what was going on there. 
But after this past week, take away the two defensive touchdowns they scored against Rutgers. Rutgers 2016 is the worst offense in the Big Ten this century. It's the first time a Big Ten team finished last in the nation in yards per play since like Minnesota in 1992 or something. All right? Like, so 30 years, 30 plus years. Iowa right now, its stats are very similar. If you take away the two defensive touchdowns they scored against Rutgers, it is very similar to Rutgers 2016. I mean, the points per game against Power 5 opponents, points per game overall. I mean, you got a good look at him against your favorite team this past week. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't understand just trotting Spencer Petrus out there Drive after drive after drive. Have you ever witnessed more self-destructive stubbornness from a coaching staff than what you have seen from Iowa on the offensive side of the football this year? I'm not sure that I have. And, you know, I've I've been watching this sport pretty zealously since 1983. Imagine, Steve, if you ran a corporation that had three major divisions and two of them excelled. Mm Mm-hmm i.e. special teams and defense. Mm-hmm. Your accounting and your technology were amazing. Your sales department was horrendous, the worst in corporate America. Well, you couldn't get any sales and back up the work of your other two departments. You know, how would you just continue to just let it function and say, well, we're making some money. We're doing okay as a business. We're we're top 30 in the country. We could be number one. We could be in the top five. We could be elite, but we'll just... You know, since the overall product is okay, we'll be okay with one unit creating that much of an issue for the other two. I don't know the last time. I think we got to go back to Iowa, Iowa State. I think they had a 44-41 game in like 2017 or 18 because I was scratching my head trying to come up with a time when Iowa's offense actually won a game. Mm -hmm let alone most of the time they still get in the way of a win, but just not enough to make it a losing result. They rarely support just simply be the weaker unit, but at least support. You know, every team should have every program an identity. Wisconsin's got an identity, at least when they were good, and the offense was not it. But support, at least have a supporting unit. They they don't have that. I, I just don't know what to tell you. I know that um, Kirk Ferentz said this week, that he does not believe in firing anyone, dismissing anyone midseason. We've seen Rutgers do it with an offensive coordinator, Indiana do it with an offensive line coach, and I consider those programs to be much less mm-hmm. than Iowa. So, and and Indiana, shoot, they've got a prolific offense compared to to Iowa's. It's just outrageous what's going on there. It, I've just never seen anything like it. Um, so let's talk Michigan and the Wolverines. And the game against Sparty, uh, both teams coming off a bye. Michigan State maybe found at least a little life with the uh, double overtime win it had against Wisconsin. They're getting some injured players back. When you look at the stat profile, I mean, this this looks like a real, real terrible mismatch for Michigan State. I mean, everything they don't do well is what Michigan does well. Everything they do well is what Michigan also does well. Right? Michigan gets them at home. Uh, it's, of course, a double revenge spot against Mel Tucker. Um, am I wrong, though? Because the theme of this episode is don't fall for the green and white banana in the tailpipe. I just I feel like I've seen this movie before. I mean, I, I, I suspect it's going to be something like 34-17, 31-13. Michigan never really was in danger of losing, but this idea that there, I, I, I think Michigan State will do what Penn State did not. 
Penn State rarely played single high safety against Michigan. I don't know why. That's why Michigan said, okay, we'll just keep running the football then, I guess. You'll keep letting us do it. Uh, And maybe if they did, you know, put eight in the box, they couldn't have stopped it anyway. I don't know. I think Michigan State's putting 27 in the box. Cheerleaders, water boys, uh, team trainers, um, traveling party, school administrators. I think they will all be in the box. I think Mel Tucker will say my secondary is one of the worst in college football history two years in a row. I'm just going to let J.J. McCarthy build it, prove to me he can create a Heisman-like resume. I cannot allow these running backs to just come downhill and gash me like this all game long. So, you know, we'll play. You've heard of zero zone, you know, man zero. How about man none? Like, we won't even cover receivers. We're just going to put guys in the backfield to stop the run. I'm slightly exaggerating here, obviously, but that is what I think is going to happen. What say you? Well, it seems to make sense because the most difficult thing to do in football is not just hand the ball to somebody. It's obviously to make a connection downfield between quarterback and wide receiver. And though J.J. McCarthy has been a capable uh, manager of this offense, that's pretty much what he's been. And that's not any knock on him. He's been extremely efficient. He's actually filled that role more capably maybe than I thought. I I thought, okay, Cade McNamara is here. J.J. McCarthy gives them so much more. But there's going to be a few mistakes. There really haven't been many mistakes. Everybody's going to throw a pick from time to time, and I think he's still sitting on one. So uh, the underneath throws and the throws that, uh, well, he can make any throw in the book. Uh, he's been, it, it'll be interesting to see when he has to be pushed to be dynamic because he can certainly do it, but he at least needs to be pushed in that direction. This is obviously not the game. Uh, yeah, I think that's the way to go for Michigan State. There is no viable path for them that I can find because Michigan's just hitting on all cylinders. Michigan State showed us a little hope against Wisconsin, and I didn't see a whole lot of that game. I just reviewed the 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 uh, the extended highlights, but uh, they did hold Braylon Allen to just over four yards per carry during that game. So so maybe that gives us an indication that they're they're improving on that side of the ball, and that's what they're going to attempt to do against Michigan. And then going back to the Washington game. This Michigan State team is actually at its best, and and this is not a good way to be, but at its best when Peyton Thorne is improvising and running around like a fool because the pass rush is just let loose by the offensive line, and he's finding Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, and they can turn it into that kind of game, at least when they've got the ball. Maybe, Maybe they've got some kind of puncher's chance. Mel Tucker. 11-16 11-16 and 16 all-time as a head coach without Kenneth Walker in the backfield. Your thought? Well, he only had the one year at Colorado, and it is a difficult place to win. He obviously did not have time to bring his players there. I have always thought Michigan State was a difficult program to, to win because of the division, because of the immediate rivals and the expectations there to be good, especially considering what D'Antonio accomplished the first half of his tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it, he he did a tremendous job with the patchwork. And I do think the Kenneth Walker attachment to the win record is slightly overplayed. It's a major factor. He was tremendous. He was amazing. Yes, he meant so much to that offense. And he was the number one reason why they got to where they got last year. But they you still have to have a team. It's still football. They, I just think it was more about, maybe as much as Kenneth Walker, about matchups being what they should should have been and then playing the right teams in the other division to, to put together that kind of season. Just everything worked out um, 
they they didn't get a Kenny Pickett in the bowl game. Of course, they didn't have Kenneth Walker. I just think everything worked for them, and and probably, you know, what was more than than what Mel Tucker would bring on a, a yearly basis. But let's hold off on Mel Tucker just in regards to what. Uh, he can do as a program builder because he's working on building a program for the first time in his life. Good stuff, my friend. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you based on the recent history of this rivalry, what one word best describes how you're feeling about three and four Sparty heading into the game. Now this is more like it. 55% of you said beat down. 45% of you said leery. That means I think we are in an appropriate mood as a fan base. I'd have been a little bit more afraid if it was more like 80-20 and was going to ask you, do you even Sparty, bro? So um, I don't think it'll be either one. I think Michigan wins comfortably. Probably something like 34-17, 38-17, something like that. That brings us to our feedback of the week from Seth When talking about Ohio State and Michigan, the difference is Ohio State is doing exactly what a number one team does against meaningless opponents, winning every game by 30 to 40, not beating Maryland, Indiana, and Iowa by three possessions or less. Actually, Michigan is averaging 30.6 points per game in terms of margin of victory. But Seth here, Seth can't help. Seth is a Buckeye. And when I was talking about I don't think Ohio State has a resume worthy of being ranked number one, he immediately jumped to a Michigan comparison. I don't think Michigan is worthy of being number one. In fact, the last few weeks, I was actually ranking Michigan lower on my ballot than the mainstream polls were. I just moved Michigan into the top four last week. I wasn't making a comparison between Michigan and Ohio State at all. I was simply saying Ohio State's best win is Toledo. Now they're going to play a meaningful game this weekend against Penn State. Go in there, win convincingly or comfortably. You want to vote them number one? I'm fine. Hell, by the end of the year, we might find out they're the best team in the country. But shouldn't the games actually count? Shouldn't you beat good teams? I mean, we're we're heading into week nine of the season. The only team with a winning record that Ohio State has beaten is Toledo, guys. So... I don't know, you know. Let's slow our roll. Let's actually let the games count and see what happens when they play a good team. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they won comfortably at Penn State. but And if they do, you want to vote them number one, fine. But I wasn't making the case that Michigan should be number one. I was making the case that maybe teams that have beaten multiple good ranked teams should probably be number one over a team whose best win right now is Toledo. But... Seth, God bless him, is a Buckeye, so he couldn't help but make it about the game as if there is nothing else, and anyone else who was making a point couldn't possibly be making a point broader than just simply Michigan versus Ohio State. That'll do it for this week's episode. Hopefully we are coming back next week with Michigan having accomplished the first of its publicly stated goals of the season, beating Sparty. Um, one way or the other we will be here with another episode next week until then please remember to like rate subscribe five star review share no matter how or where 
you watch like on YouTube or listen like on iTunes and Stitcher and other places. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And also don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. You can keep up to date on what we think about all things Wolverines in between episodes. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.